Welcome into another episode of Crunch Time. I'm your host, Joe Hamilton, alongside Theo the Juggernaut. Theo, how you doing, man? Doing beautiful. It's sunny outside. I don't normally have shadows on me this early in the day, but a little earlier edition of Crunch Time. Thanks for watching. Thanks for catching up with us. And yeah, it should be a, should be an interesting discussion you and I have because uh, superheroes are loud and superheroes are mass. And sometimes you don't need a superhero. And that's what happened a lot this weekend. You know who needs a hero? Let's just get right to it. You know who needs a hero? St. Louis Blues need a hero. You want to go yeah, there? They unless do. You want to go, yeah, they do. No, 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 no. Well, let's go there because they, they took a major step back after ma- taking a major step forward against the National Predators. Yeah. And in my mind, they should have started the backup goaltender against a lowly Chicago Blackhawks team. Like, granted, I know they won five in a row before that. They were on a hell of a streak. But at the same time, I mean, Bennington needs a break. You need you need to give him a break once in a while because he's gonna get tired and you're gonna you're gonna wear him out. And Grice hasn't looked terrible. I mean, he has a shutout this season. He's not terrible. At at one time, Thomas Grice was a number one goaltender in this league, and a pretty damn good one, if I may say so myself. So, the fact that you're not gonna use Grice's Grice a little bit more is amazing to me. Well, I mean, you also have to look at, like, not that it mattered, but, I mean, Chicago hit its backup in there, too, a third stringer, because they had to bring in someone for emergency call because Stalock was on a concussion protocol. So you had a brand-new goaltender coming in, not knowing much at him. Well, I mean, 1980s would have told you, hey, first shot at that new goaltender goes right around his ears. So he lifts up. Ask any old, ask Brett Hall, Mr. Hall, a future Hall of Famer for the St. Louis Blues. He would tell you the exact same thing. He probably did say it on an old VHS I have somewhere, Joey. He said, first shot, go right across the ears. Whistle them high. I would agree. That, and he's going to lift up all the time. I would agree with that. Yeah, you got to got to initiate him into the NHL. Nothing wrong with that. Not playing dirty. Just saying, you know, it's, uh, the first couple shots got to be interesting shots. Let's put it that way. Well, the goaltender that was in there was Rob Stauber's son, a yeah, former goaltender. He did fantastic. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm happy for him, but I'm not happy for the fact that the St. Louis Blues made this guy look like Patrick Waugh in his first career start. I mean, it, it, okay, they scored a goal on him. They scored three, okay, three goals. But that took till the second or third period. You know, I mean, you you barely did anything in the first period against this guy. And what do you do with a new goaltender like you say? Shoot on him. Put pucks to the net. I don't know. I don't care where you are. I'm not saying shoot from behind the net. Don't yeah, I get that, but even at the point, put pucks on net, man. Chicago had four goals in the first eleven shots against Bennington. No, four goals in the first seven. Oh, seven, even better. Yeah, there you go. And Grice had ten shots afterwards. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, Bennington probably could have used an off day, sure, but I'm pretty sure there was a game between Nashville's game and Chicago's game, was there not? No, there was a. It was back to back. No, it was Thursday and Saturday. Thursday was, was Nashville. Saturday, was it was a day off, but there wasn't a game in between, though. Home games, right? I, I, home yeah, games. you're three and three on this road trip on this homestand. Yeah. You really needed to be six and two, or or no wait, six Four and, and one, or uh, five and two. You can't be three and three right now. But you've also um, but here's the other bit I've got to ask you, Joe. You're one game above five hundred. Okay, you're in the front office. Higher than Baruby. Okay. It is January the 23rd, almost All Star weekend. 
almost a month before the trade deadline. Are you going to continue to try to ride this thing, make it a Stanley Cup team? Are you going to try to find some pieces and puzzle pieces and uh, retool, not rebuild, for the upcoming couple of years? What are you going to do in that front office right now, knowing the all-star break is ahead? You got to do some serious thinking real quick. I do tool, man. I mean, you, you got to get something for these guys. I mean, look, this team is not terrible, but they're not great either. They're, you know, they're, they're in the middle of the pack. I mean, my, my uncle even said they'd be a 500 team before the season started. I mean, that's a hell of a Did prediction. Did get... to be in first? No, but, but, you know, he's more of a blues watcher and he reads the post-dispatch, whatever. But he literally said the blues were going to be a 500 team. That to me, making that prediction makes me think that, wow, you should buy a lottery ticket because they are a 500 team right now. They are. They're a 500 team. They're nothing more than that. And it's sad because you're wasting a good year from your goaltender. Jordan Bennington is quietly having a good season. You look at his numbers, it doesn't look that way. But if you look at his body of work in the net and what he's had to deal with, you can't blame Jordan Bennington. Jordan Bennington's kept you in games. He's also stayed out of the crease a couple of times too many too, but you're right. But is it a, is he a goalie that you consider to be the future or – I think so. I mean, they have him locked up still, Theo. So, yeah. They, they have him locked up. They you've, also got another, you've, got so. new, you've got Thomas Grace out of the picture next year. Yeah, and you have Joel Holfer as your, as your backup next year. As your backup. You've, you've already solidified your net. Okay. So, what other pieces? We know two big pieces coming off contract this year. You know, there's been talks about one of them going up north to the east. The other one's been fairly quiet, but as a front office, and you have these two big pieces to move around that could free up potentially Kyrou Thomas money upcoming. You've got a couple of good horses in the stable coming up, and Jake Neighbors to be one of them. And Zachary Bolduke. Zachary Bolduke. What are you gonna? You know, what do you, Joey? Put the owner, put the GM hat on. For like two minutes and tell me what you want to do in the next two weeks and what you want to do before the deadline. The Blues, and you're forgetting one guy, though, Theo. Before I do that, I want you to put yours on. What do you do with this guy? Ivan Barbashev. He's also in our UFA. But what's it going to do? You keep him because he's younger. You keep him because he's a utility player. But he is a UFA. Right. I mean... Okay, so as a UFA, he's going to get match. You can match offers, right? You, right? He can sign anywhere he wants. Yeah, he can sign anywhere. Not an RFA, a UFA. He can sign anywhere he wants. Right. So if there's a, I'm not going to call him a, uh, you know, a not so smart team out there, decides to throw ridiculous money at him. Well, then he's going to go. And for Ivan Barbashev, he's not getting any younger. He's a fairly young cat still, is he not? Like he's not 30, is he? I don't think he's 30 yet. I think he's close. But he's got a couple of good years in him still. He's shown his effectiveness with both Kairu and Thomas and the power play. We know he's got sweet dangles. Uh, he goes about his business quietly. 
you know, when you consider those three, the two that I'm talking about and yours, I mean, the thing is with Ivan Barbashev, you're not going to do anything better. With Ivan, with Barbashev, you're not going to make yourself, your team better or worse by trading him before the deadline. But knowing that ROR and VT are potentially out the door, one foot out the door already, knowing you're not going to be signing those two players, why not get some, at least draft picks or some prospects for next year? Or the I get, yeah, I agree. Get some, get some prospects for him. And I have preferably defensive prospects. That's what you and, want. And if year. I'm the blues and if I'm the blues, I'd try to get rid of uh, Colton Pareko's contracts and contract in the off season, because that that's an anchor on this team right now. Yeah. If you've seen Colton Pareko, the way he's played, or you no, wouldn't you're not high on him. I've I've seen him. Play. And you're not. Are you? Or would you be? Let's say he was playing for the Jets. Okay, no, no. no. no would make the front six. No, but let's Colton say he was Perico playing for the Jets. Top six right now. Would you be happy with him on on the Jets team right now? I'm Period. Where he is, Joe. I'm telling you right now, he wouldn't be in the top six. He'd be playing in the AHL right now. Okay. I mean, the the thing is. You look at okay. Everyone looks at the Jets' defense, and they are so, for lack of a better term, they look mediocre on paper. But you look at the chemistry that they've developed with those six D men, having Logan Stanley out, and then swapping out Vinny Hanela and you know Sandberg, back and forth, back and forth. With Hanela, you've got a phenomenal offensive defenseman who can quarterback a power play, and with Dylan Sandberg, with each game he plays, he gets stronger playing a 200 foot game. Okay, those are two blue chips in the defense of the Jets that are doing more good than harm than a Colton Pareko in the lineup day in and day out. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't play physical like a Brendan Dillon. He maybe moves the puck a little bit like a Dylan DeMello, but Dylan DeMello plays better defensive positioning than Colton Pareko. Uh, Pionk is playing top one-two defense just like Josh Morris. He was also going to the All-Star game. So, I mean... What do you? Where does he fit in? He doesn't fit in. He's not a. Uh, he's not an effective defenseman in the way it works in the Jets strategy. And furthermore, that is a difficulty to his game because his game hasn't morphed into something that has been more uh, two way, more complete. And we both said it on this show. I mean, you could find a picture of Colton Pareko on a bag of Jolly Green Giant beans or green peas for all I care. Uh, he's just the ho-ho-ho green giant, the quiet kid in the back who's not ruffling feathers. He doesn't get under players' skins. And like you've told us, you've documented before, Joe, he lets players go to the front of the net at will. Not effective. Yeah, and for your size to be this much of a wuss, yeah, I put it out there, wuss, because that's what he is. Um, I want to. I'm going to pull up his hits over the course of the next year for next week and see if we can figure that out, and we'll compare him to other defensemen that should be or better or playing better than a Colton Pareko. I mean, uh, there's let's a chance. Game, let's do a game comparison on certain defensemen out there in the NHL. Let's do that next week. Next week we will. We will. Um, you give me a defenseman and you take Colton Pareko. You give me, give me an idea. Not, not Jets. Let's not go Jets here. All right. 
because you you even said they're mediocre. If you, if you look at them on paper, they're mediocre. Okay, they've been good, but give me a good defenseman in the NHL, and we'll compare. I can't. I mean, you want you want you want to kill Colton? You want? Know Here's a deal. Yeah, I'll throw you a deal. You throw Sanko and Pareko. You eat a good percentage of their salary, and you'll get Jacob Chikrin from the Coyotes. You know what? And the Blues needed to go out and get a guy like that for like two years. Actually, that guy, Jake. Well, um, you know and this has been a rumor for a you know, This has been a rumor for a long time. Why not make it happen? Granted, he's been injured. I get it, but so is Vladdy at this point. You know, again, I'm I am not comparing positions here. I'm just saying injured player, injured player, whatever, or injury prone players, whatever. But yeah, I take I take Jacob Chikrin in a heartbeat, and if it gets and them out of Mullet Arena, so be it. Yeah, I mean, throw Pareko and throw Tarasenko to the Wolves for lack of a better Coyotes for lack of a better no pun intended, right? Yeah, let them let their contracts end out. I mean, they got paid, they got their cup. Uh, you know, put a little bit of talent in Mullet Arena, and uh, you know what? Go get yourself a little bit of a bruised up blue chip defenseman. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're not going to be paying him nine million dollars a year. I mean, the other guy you could throw out there is uh, why don't you go grab Seth Jones from the Blackhawks? But the Blackhawks want to go young because Seth Jones is not happy in Chicago. And I don't do know. Do you how really think? In, I don't in, think Seth Jones is really that in, good on defense right now. He needs a bit of a change the, of scenery. The other one yeah. thing I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop you there. Do you really think there's a chance in hell that the Blues trade with the Blackhawks? Is there a chance in hell? I don't think so. Business no. is business. I Theo, no. There, but there's certain things you don't do. The Cubs traded Gubrock to the Cardinals. How'd that work out? And how many other trades have there been between the Cubs and the Cardinals since? That's baseball. Different. No, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You're talking you about trades. City for city? city for city? No. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying, though. It's it's yeah, different sports, but the same same concept, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, Steve like Thomas that, played for the Blackhawks. Like, Steve Thomas played for the Blues. I think did he not? So I mean, you got guys that have done both, do some dirty work. It happens, but not often. But the Chicago yeah, Blackhawks have done some really interesting things this year. They're not done yet. I mean, their their big blue chips are being talked around and, and thought about all over the NHL right now, including here in Winnipeg. So, I mean, who's to say what's going to happen? Yeah, who who's to say? That's for sure. We could spend this whole 30 minutes, 40 minutes, however long we'll be on here, talking yeah. about what the Blues are going to do, what the Jets are going to do. But the thing is, we have a lot more to talk about. You talk about Superman. Let's kind of get to the NFL because – Let's start with that Dallas game. <laughs> you really want to go? You really want to go right to the start, eh? Yeah. You really like that crosswalk, don't you? <laughs> oh, the contrary. He's not good. He. They can never win in division in the divisional round. They haven't really had a quarterback worth anything that can get them past the divisional round or even to a Super Bowl, other than Troy Aikman back in '95. I mean, that's that's pretty sad i mean tony romo was a good quarterback i get that but he couldn't get you to the promised land 
Remember who the running case back was? Point. For Tony Romo? Case in point. Case in but case in point. The the fumble on the uh, extra point that would have won the game. The game winning point after attempt. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So that's the demise of Tony Romo. Everyone remember Tony Romo for fumbling the hold on a point after. Everyone remember Mark Sanchez for the butt the fumble. Everyone will remember Dak Prescott for throwing eight games out of 14 with two or more interceptions. Of course, they will always remember Dak Prescott for the things that he does. And the media and the world we know it has concentrated on the importance of the quarterback and the quarterback-centered you know, analysis to better terms of being Superman. And if you look at how the Dallas Cowboys are situated, Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator, should be up for defensive coach of the year because he took this team and probably had one of the outside of D'Amico Ryan, sorry, in San Francisco. And, yeah, I mean, you talk about what Dan Quinn did. That defense did a phenomenal job all year, holding his opponents to less than 16 points a game. Case in point. The problem was you had a quarterback who has never been known to throw interceptions, throw interceptions. And he threw two in the first half alone. One in the first drive, I think, and one when they were marching at the end of the second quarter. And we all know points at the end of the second quarter and the beginning of the third are game-changing moments. Tide-changing mistakes occur. Call them what you want, the ESPN, TSN, turning points of a game. Absolutely. I will not disagree with that. Minute and 35 left, you throw, a t- you throw into double coverage when you're focused on a guy. Like I'm looking at you, Joe, for the last five seconds on one receiver instead of trying to scan out the, your one, two, three, or four off option, and you're stuck on number one, like he's got, I don't know, like he's gold, which he is. But San Francisco plays such an easy, simple game plan on defense that works so well. And for a quarterback that second guesses himself several times in all of his chances – Dak Prescott just picked the wrong guy. And he played hesitant. He played cautious. He knew that he was going to be making he, – he knew that he would be under scrutiny if he made the mistakes. And instead of being the gunslinger, the guy that can throw the ball like he did in Tampa, he became the guy that was stuck in the little M&M shell and didn't want to come out of his bubble and threw interceptions, threw to the wrong receivers, and didn't give his team the chance to win the game. Now, I'm going to caveat that phrase and that comment with another one. Because his players, throughout the course of that game, did not help him either. They were running through zone coverage. Every Most wide receivers know that when it's a zone coverage, and a defense plays a zone coverage, what do you do? You sit in the pocket, you find your place to be open, and you make yourself available to a quarterback. Gallup didn't do it. CeeDee Lamb certainly didn't do it. Schultz, couldn't keep his feet in bounds to do it. Ezekiel Elliott did not do anything out of the background or the foreground or any ground as far as I'm concerned. And he had Pollard injured with a leg. The game is maybe out of 
context unplayable for the Dallas Cowboys. I'll leave it at that. Tell me okay, what you think, but, Joe. But the, uh, I, a couple things. Actually, two plays I want to bring up. The George Kittle off-face mask catch, that changed the game. Okay? And also, why the hell do you not go for it on 4th and 10 when you have, ooh, I don't know, little more than a minute 20 left maybe? And that could be – or no, that was 2.02 left in the game. Yeah, before the 2 You had 2.02 plus before the 2-minute warning left in the game and you don't go for it you punt it my dad and i were sitting there watching that like what the hell are you doing you know granted they haven't played a good game to that point but you're fighting for your freaking lives there man there is no reason you should punt it and then toward the end this is what really pissed me off the last play of the game when you thought they were going to throw a Hail Mary, they threw a fucking check down to Ezekiel Elliott? What the? F- what are you doing? That was, uh, you talking about the ultimate spread offense that it was cross <laughs> sideline to sideline? Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, interesting. that was an interesting play because, I mean, that uh, second D lineman had like an A to B shot at Dak if you didn't throw that ball quick. I mean, you know, I- my only, my only reason that you punt the ball with over two minutes left there is you're hoping that a young quarterback will finally make a mistake. And he didn't. Now, granted, they got the ball back, but you often you, you will ask yourself, what if we went fourth and ten? We won't know because they didn't go fourth and ten, so we can't. I mean, if they would have lost on a fourth and ten and, and if they would have have gone for it, I would have been like, okay, at least you freaking tried. But, but you're no. on your but weren't you on like your 24 or 28-yard line or something like that? Like you weren't yeah, in a good position. It. You weren't in a good position to go fourth and ten and give up an automatic field goal to take you out of an opportunity to still come back and tie it up with a one possession. That's the other side of it, too. So I get the, would I have done that as a coach? It's a good question. I don't know. Uh, knowing how poorly my receivers have been playing in his own coverage and knowing that I don't have Pollard out of the backfield and knowing that they're playing a soft cover two within 10 yards. I mean, San Francisco probably would have intercepted or made that pass incomplete, most likely. So the only option there was to punt the ball and hopefully Brock Purdy makes a mistake. I mean, that's the only thought of process I can think of, Joe. I guess that makes sense, George but George you Kittle's had no time. George Kittle's con- George Kittle's catch was pretty phenomenal. Trayvon Diggs wanted to crush him, like he was leading with a forearm, elbow, and shoulder shiver. And thankfully, Kittle caught that ball a split second before and dodged it. Because if there was contact on it, it probably would have been targeting as well. It probably would have been a fifteen-yard penalty if it was an incomplete pass. So. Dallas would have been screwed one way or another. Well, the Dallas screwed themselves anyway when you have um, penalty after penalty after penalty. I remember when the singles Rams were here, when, when the Rams were here, and when they were bad all those years. The biggest problem with the St. Louis Rams was they always beat themselves. They'd have a big play comeback. 
or they do something on defense where they'd give them give the other team a clean set of downs. Well, that's what Dallas did a lot in this game, and they deserved to lose this game. They did. So, Joe, and I'm ask you, so Mike I'm McCarthy's ask you. job is safe. I don't. I don't know if I like this. Mike McCarthy's job is safe. He got fired okay. in Green Bay for a reason, Theo. Yeah. Okay, so why would you keep? Why would you have this guy keep his job? You have Kellen Moore, Dan Quinn, Mike McCarthy. You have those three individuals who have taken this team to back-to-back 12 and 5 seasons. Tell me a better replacement out there that's not named Sean Payton. Right now. Ooh, I don't Ooh, I don't know. Eric Bieniemy. You think Jerry Jones will hire Eric Bieniemy? That's the biggest thing, though. Is Jerry Jer, or Jerry Jones going to hire a black coach? That's 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 the next question. And my philosophy has always been, Joe, you do not replace somebody unless you know that there is a potential candidate out there that is better. Ask well, Bruce Boudreaux. Go back to the NHL. Is there a better candidate out there than that three-headed monster you have right now in Dallas? Because I don't think Dan Quinn is going to go and sign a head coaching job anywhere. Not yet. He could, but he hasn't had interviews yet. I think he's supposed to go to Denver to go interview. And you know Kellen Moore ain't going anywhere because he's Jerry Jones' like brother that he never had or son he never had. Something like that. Whatever that relationship is between him and Kellen Moore. I don't get one iota bit about. But I'm just saying. In order for you to fire somebody, you better be damn well sure that there is a better candidate out there that Jerry Jones wants to target as the next head coach or next coordinator. And I don't think there is. That's why. Do you think Eric Bieniemy ever gets hired as a head coach? Yes. I do. And when? I don't know. Um, I think you got to see how this is going to play out. I think this is going to be when you have to say, okay, it all depends on how, like Eric Bieniemy. I mean, he, I'm not going to say he's the anomaly. I'm not going to say he's the enigma. I'm not going to say those kind of words because he isn't. He's a really good offensive coordinator. He has done very good things with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and a very, very highly rated offensive line. And what he's done this year without Tyreek Hill has been pretty impressive up to date. We've also seen how offensive coordinators, when given the opportunity to become head coach, fail miserably. Case in point, Hackett in Denver, Josh McDaniels now twice, Matt Patricia. I mean, these guys, you know, the the mentality of being a coordinator is very different than being a head coach. And maybe Eric Bieniemy doesn't want to be a head coach. Maybe like he'll say that he won't say it. He won't come out and say it, but maybe his attitude is like, you know what? I just don't want to be that guy. Well, I mean, I, I know maybe the media blows it up, but I mean, they talk about him being a head coach all the time. You turn on NFL said, network, you know ESPN. Gonna gonna yeah, of course. I mean, Eric Bieniemy, D'Amico Ryan, the fact that Lovey Smith got fired, uh, the fact that Brandon Staley still has a job, 
I mean, these are all guys. Which I know you're not happy about. I'm not going to. I mean, I'll agree with Stephen A. Smith on one thing. Okay. Yes. Brandon Staley should not be the freaking head coach of the LA Chargers at all. There's no reason why you fire. There's no reason why you fire a wide receivers coach and an offensive coordinator when your team puts up 31 or 30. You fire the guy that didn't, that allowed 31 or 33. That's what you fire. You don't speaking fire of, no Speaking of Eric Bieniemy, let's go to the Chiefs because okay. that was a close game. That was a close enough game where I thought, you know what? You know, they won't be upset, the Chiefs there, but, you know, that, that does give me hope for the future for the Jaguars, man. I, I really am excited about this team. I really am. I love Trevor Lawrence. Uh, a while back, uh, somebody I used to work with on this show says he doesn't think Trevor Lawrence will be a good NFL quarterback. And I what's, disagreed. What's the, what are the two things that Trevor Lawrence had this year that he didn't have last year? Head coach? Well, he, well, a head coach and... A running back. And weapons. He had a running back this year. Travis Etienne was injured in the second game last year, was he not? He missed the entire season. Now, Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence are yeah. the same team Clemson. So there's a chemistry there, obviously. But, I mean, the fact that you have Trevor Lawrence, who throw for 25 touchdowns this year, as a second-year QB, second highest ever in Jacksonville history, you had a running back that ran for or had over 1,400 scrimmage yards, more than Saquon Barkley did uh, in his second year, but he was injured as well, shows that this team is moving in the right direction. You know, Kirk as a grid wideout, over a thousand yards rushing, but you lost Charles Robinson. I think Charles Robinson would have been that guy that gave you that extra move to be in the Jacksonville offense. Defense very strong, keep it solid. Don't change much there. Your offensive line give it a little more structure, more opportunity for uh, protection for Trevor Lawrence. But you've got some really good pieces, and I agree. This team. If continuing on this move, on this trajectory, can do pretty good things sooner than later. And it all starts with their coaching hire last year with Peterson. Great job. Great job on that. That's for sure. Um, The Chiefs are going back to their fifth straight. I believe fifth straight. Yes. Sixth straight, actually. No, fifth. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking wrong. Either way, they're on a hell of a streak in the AFC. And can anyone stop this team going forward? I mean, yeah, you have the the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, but can can you really say they can go into Kansas City and do it again? I guess we'll wait and see. I mean, anything can happen. The, the we big, will wait and the see. Big, the big question mark for Kansas City is how injured is their Superman? Well, and and you brought up the superhero index. Patrick Mahomes moves around like Superman. And I don't think he's that great of a pocket passer. He can be, but I think he does more with his legs than his arm. Not saying his arm is bad at all. You know, he does more with his legs. Let's be honest here. So that's going to be interesting. That's going to be a very big storyline this week. That's probably all you're going to hear on ESPN. How healthy is Patrick Mahomes? Go ahead, Theo. Right. And you talk about Patrick Mahomes' mobility outside of the pocket. That's where 
he is more lethal than just being a pure pocket passer like a Joe Burrow. Patrick Mahomes is able to extend a play. And by extending the play, obviously we know it extends the amount of time a defense has to cover potential offensive weapons, which obviously leads to players becoming open after four, five seconds. You take away Patrick Mahomes' ability to be mobile, and if you focus in on keeping him contained within the pocket, the ball is going to come out quicker. The players aren't going to be open as much. And you have a potential of a defense to play closer to the line of scrimmage to maintain those weapons that Kansas City shows. And the other thing is you've replaced a Tyreek Hill with a Juju Smith-Schuster, a Pacheco, and a Parker that, let's be honest, do those three players match up to what Tyreek Hill could do? No, not yet. But at least it's three other players that got to be What about Kadarius Tony? And that's two. I mean, you have Kadarius Tony as well. But you have with those four players, none of them have the kinetic of a Tyreek Hill. Not one individual. But those four players properly placed within that Kansas City offense, let's just say that if Eric Bieniemy is able to do that and place those players in the right position so that Kansas City beats Cincinnati, then you can start talking about him being a head coach next year. Okay. All right. So you had the Buffalo Bills. And let, let's get to this since we bring up Cincinnati. They're going to the AFC Championship to face the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I can't blame that on Josh Allen. I really can't. I mean, you talk about Superman. He's one of them. Um, not going on, but he is a Superman. Stefan Diggs uh, was yell- caught yelling at Josh Allen and even left the stadium before the head coach could even come in and talk to them. I guess the end of the season speech, look, I know you take it hard. Everyone takes losing hard. Some take it a little less hard than others, but you talked about showing true colors and Stefan Diggs really showed his true colors. Well, when, it's like any relationship, whether it be a, a marriage, whether it be a tag team, whether it be a one-two combination. When everything is going great, you never hear about the rumblings. You never hear about the negative aspects of that relationship. I mean, let's take the Buffalo Bills. A great season, great winning record, always in the contention of being a Super Bowl contender, always in that discussion, so you expect them to perform well. Well, what happens? You target Stefan Diggs and only has four of 11 completions. You have an offense that can't run the ball more than 70 yards in the entire game. And your third down completion rate was atrocious. Probably the worst offensive showing at home for a Buffalo Bills game in quite some time. Not to mention, you get punched right in the mouth like Mike Tyson does delivering to any one of his culprits in the Cincinnati Bengals, putting up, getting up 14 in the first quarter. Like talk about taking the wind out of your sails, popping the top off, uh, drinking a flat Coke. The Buffalo Bills were caught flat footed, got 
punched in the mouth. And like Mike Tyson says, unless you got an answer for it, you got nothing. And they had nothing. Kudos to the Cincinnati Bengals. Because if you watch, the funny thing is, I mean, you look at some back at some of the old tapes of this year's games in Buffalo history. Buffalo was always the first ones to come out and do exactly what happened to them yesterday. They were the ones punching the other team in the mouth. They were the ones going up 14. They were the ones controlling the play. Not last game. Cincinnati took a page out of the Buffalo Bills scrapbook. And not to mention, how many times did you hear the name Vaughn Miller mentioned in that game? Want to call it another not, Superman? Not at all. They he was supposed to be the Superman all. on defense. He was supposed to be that piece of puzzle that was missing that would take them over the top. Not there. And it didn't end up happening. Nope. That's sad. That's sad to even think about because I had this team going to the Super Bowl. Vaughn I really Miller did. Could have been, Vaughn Miller could have been the one of the only players to go to the Super Bowl with three different teams and win. I'm not saying he's that's that that's leader. amazing to think about. Yeah, it's crazy. But it's not it is happen. crazy. It's not going to happen though. So um, the last game, I just want to talk about how bad the Giants were. I mean, I I know I'm talking about the losers here, but when these teams lost, they were convincing. And it's not like not convincing in terms of score or whatever, but you knew who was going to win by halftime. Like you literally knew in every game who was going to win by halftime. Maybe that Kansas City game you didn't know for sure because Kansas City was held at bay a little bit by that Jackson team. Jacksonville team, not Jackson. I'm thinking Deion Sanders' old team now. Um, So – the New York Giants, is D- Daniel Jones ever going to be that guy? Well, that's a big question because, you know, not only is Daniel Jones, but Saquon Barkley ending their contracts this year. So it's up to the New York football Giants to decide how much they want to pay both of those players or keep both of those players for their future. I mean, here's the thing. You can you can franchise tag one and sign the other. Okay. Uh, or do you go find a player that is potentially better at that position? We all know how many quarterbacks are out there right now. Tom Brady. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go on. Derek Carr. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yep. I mean, there's a massive list. There's a large list of quarterbacks out there that, granted, could have a better season or have shown better than Daniel Jones. Yeah, I would agree with whether this. Or not, yeah, and it just depends on whether or not Brian Dable wants to keep working with Daniel Jones and if the organization signs him to a somewhat lengthy contract. I don't know. Yeah, we, sh- we shall see on that. But before we go, Theo, um, who do you got winning these uh, AFC and NFC championship games? You know, it's I the Philly game is – they're both going to be good games. Let's, let's be honest here. I mean, Philly and San Francisco, Shanahan's game plan with D'Amico Ryan is fantastic. I think it is uh, one of the best we've seen in over a decade. Uh, what they've been able to do with Brock Purdy and surround him with amazing supermen, not just one superhero. It's like the Marvel, it's like the Avengers are going to travel to Philly 
And it's like the phrase you always hear, have defense, will travel, have running game, will travel. We'll check both those two boxes off for the San Francisco 49ers. The caveat to that is the Eagles have a phenomenal offensive and defensive line. They built from the middle or built from the front and worked their way back. Jalen Hurts showed he was very healthy, healthy enough to win a game against San Francisco or against New York. Will he be able to do that against San Francisco? I'm not too sure. I'm going to take San Francisco on the road. I'll take uh, actually, you know what? Just for the sake of being different, I'm going to go Philly. I'm going to go Philly because I'm going to Jaylen... give you the choice on the next game first. All right. So the next game, you have the AFC championship game. You have the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. I got to go Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati has Kansas City's number. They've had that for a while now. Um, it's in Kansas City. Thank God there's no neutral site AFC championship game. That would have been so dumb knowing the Super Bowl is a neutral site game. But, yeah, I'm going to go Cincinnati Bengals. I think Joe Cool is going to continue to be cool. Uh, I don't know how healthy Patrick Mahomes is. Um, the, the running game, I mean, Jarek McKinnon and um, Isaiah Pacheco, they're awesome. My question is, where the hell is Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Clyde Edwards Did they just forget about him? You know what the funny you bring up the funny thing about that, Joe, is because if you looked at the Kansas City offense this year, they've had eleven times, so eleven different receivers who had ten or more catches in different games. That's how much spread Kansas City has shown in their offense. Yes, Kelsey will get touches, but they've had other receivers, like you mentioned, Edwards Alaire, Juju Smith Schuster, the two in the backfield, who have made considerable contributions throughout the entire season for the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs offensive line is considered to be one of the top two or three in the NFL. And they will have to be the best this weekend to protect Patrick Mahomes. What Kansas City needs to do that they haven't done is put defensive power through the middle, not on the edges, but they have to rush Joe Burrow and they have to make him unrest in the pocket. You give Joe what Burrow time Buffalo to find weapons. Yeah, yeah. What what Burrow didn't I thought Burrow was gonna get not sacked a lot, but pressured a lot, knowing you had three rookie starters on that offensive line in Cincy. I think it could be different, but I think Joe Burrow is good enough at getting the ball out fast and completing a lot of passes. And and their running game is really good too. I like some Maje P. Ryan and Joe Mixon. Um that <laughs> this team I think is poised to go back to another Super Bowl. You know what? It's it's taken the critics out of the idea of Joe Burrow being that one and done. He really is possibly one of the next greater quarterbacks to play in this game. And I think he does have some phenomenal weapons around him. I mean, Boyd and Jamar Chase, just to name a couple, and Higgins. It's hard not to go against the Bengals. But that injury report with... Patrick Mahomes will be the the difference maker. And because you took the Bengals, I'll take the Chiefs. Okay, so we got different uh, Super Bowl matchups. We'll see how this plays out on next week's show, if we're right or who's right and who's wrong. Hell, it it could be (laughs) – 
it could be me, it could be Theo. That that's for sure. Um, Theo, are you feeling confident about those picks? Or are you just saying that just to be different? No, I'm. I'm I you know, I've been a huge fan of the AFC West. I've said that since day one. I thought they were the strongest conference all year. Uh, I feel that you know the Chiefs, you know, got lucky with some injuries on some other teams that they were able to have a little bit of an easier run. But they've proved themselves to be a very strong team, very resilient, very resourceful. And I think if they can give up with a great game plan against Smoke and Joe Burrow, then you know what? They can stop it. And I do believe, I mean, the 49ers are a really, really great team with many superheroes, not one Superman. And I think that's what's going to make the difference for them over the Eagles. Okay. Okay, we shall see what happens. You got anything else before we get out of here? You know what? Huge props to, uh, you know, Bruce Brudrow being canned in Vancouver. Not because of him being canned, but because of how he handled it. I think Bruce Brudrow is certainly one of those guys that ruffles feathers, creates a lot of good things and bad things within organizations. But the incoming group, of uh, including Rick Target. Sergey Gonchar, of all people. I don't know where that one came from. And I forget the third, but they're going to take over Vancouver moving forward. Should be interesting to watch. And, uh, you know, uh, it, should be, it should be interesting to see how they operate in Vancouver. Also, a uh, big plus then, if you got if you got the ESPN Plus, if you've got NHL Center Ice going on, Johnny G, Johnny Hockey's back in Calgary tonight. First game back. So I might catch a bit of that game to see what the crowd's going to show him. Uh, and it should be interesting to watch. Also, one last shout out if I can World University Games Team Canada winning the gold medal in hockey without uh question. A lot of uh, a lot of gold medals for Team Canada in hockey. I mean, it's obvious it's Canada's game, but levels. you know, yeah, and that's that's the amazing part now to see t- uh, USA hockey build. I think they're building something. I do like what they're doing, uh, building up some of these young American-born prospects. So it should be interesting going forward. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna just real caveat to that. I think it's important to realize that you know just because I mean, if you have a son or a daughter that's playing, you know, in the college ranks or in the junior ranks, they're not playing at the top level of their game just yet. Just remember. There is no one yellow brick road to get you to where you want to reach your goals. You can do it in many different ways, different leagues, different avenues, different opportunities that arise. You do not have to flourish as a 17-year-old number one prospect. You can certainly get it there later on in life if you want to consider sticking to your goals. By all means, there's avenues and ways to do it. So these athletes are showing that they can be amazing at their own level right now to where they want to get to later in life. Well said, Theo. For Theo, I'm Joe. Thank you guys for watching or listening. You can find us on any podcast platform at Crunch Time STL. Have a good one, everyone.